Well, blessings, friends. Thanks for being here with us today. Today we talk about joy. Uh, so uh, we don't do this often, but let's go ahead and try. Shout it out if, if something brought joy to you over the last couple weeks. Give me some ideas. What's bringing joy in our lives in this season? A granddaughter's smile. That'll bring joy. What else? Babysitting. All right. Yeah, five days off work. Thank you, Christmas. What else? What's bringing joy in life right now? Helping people. Oh, the Seahawks are winning. Yes, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Employment makes us joyful. All right. A lot of good answers. So uh, it was just a couple months ago that uh, it's kind of out of the blue. This question was weighing on me. And in my pastoral capacity of having coffee with people and, and lunch with people and, and conversations with lots of people, I started asking this question, so what's bringing joy in your life right now? I think far too often we find ourselves bogged down in the busyness of life and all the chaos and craziness, and it's really hard to resonate on the source of joy in our lives. And, and so today we get to reflect on the subject of joy. We get to kind of explore, so, so what's, what, what is joy? What does the Bible say about joy? Where do we find joy? How do we live in this state? And we'll talk about some different circumstances in life, times that it's easy to be joyful, times that it's challenging to be joyful. So let me start with this. So what is joy? Uh, often we would kind of use the words joy and happiness synonymously, right? We'd say joy and happiness are the same thing. And that may be. Some people argue, though, that happiness has more to do with a feeling and emotion and a momentary thing, whereas biblical joy uh, is going to be kind of a deeper, abiding, more rooted uh, sense of uh, hope within us. But today I want to ask the question, what is joy? Now, to, to some of us, joy looks like this right here. All right, to some of us, that is what joy looks like in our lives. Uh, many of you have probably seen the movie Elf. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It is educational. It is, uh, I mean, you will learn so much from that movie. It'll change your life. Uh, hilarious movie, though. Uh, for Buddy the Elf, uh, a man who thinks he's an elf, uh, joy is the realization that Santa is coming. Like, this is elation, right? So the uh, definition defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure, and happiness. I think that's good. I think that makes sense. But today we're going to stretch our understanding of joy just a little bit beyond that. And uh, we're going to talk uh, about uh, places in Scripture that describe joy in slightly different ways. So uh, just a little background. In, in the, the entirety of the Bible, the 66 books we have there, uh, happiness is mentioned about 30 times and joy over 300 times. Okay, this concept of joy is spoken on over and over again in Scripture. And today we're going to kind of survey a few of the concepts that come out on the subject of joy. Uh, of course, today is uh, the third week of our Advent season. And so today we are uh, considering how does the story of Jesus coming into this world, the story of Jesus coming again into the world to right the wrongs and, and put things straight, um, uh, it brings us joy. So we ask this question, how is Jesus bringing joy in life? I'm going to start with Psalm 118 today as we kind of survey scripture and, and ask questions of joy uh, and what scripture has to say for us. Psalm 118.24 says, this is the 
day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Very simple in its nature. Maybe a familiar passage to some of us, uh, but I think beautiful in its depth. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And that version uh, has it uh, worded just slightly differently. But I love in this passage the intentionality of... uh, this day and this moment. We've talked a lot in the last couple of months about presence, about how our presence is powerful in places and seasons of hurt in people's life. To be present is imp- incredibly important. And today I see that same theme coming out in this first verse about joy. It says, today is today, essentially what it is what it says, right? Tomorrow is still to come. Uh, yesterday is in the past, but today is is today. And it says, this is a day that the Lord created, the opportunities I'll have, the things I see around me. This is a day that the Lord has created. I am here and now, so how will I choose to posture myself? And the author here in Psalm says, let's rejoice and be glad. Friends, I like that. It's simple. It's incredibly simple in nature. But I love the idea of maybe waking up each day this week and saying, God, thank you for this day. Help me to find joy. Help me to be glad. Help me to rejoice in the things that you're doing. We continue our survey of scripture with a story in Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is this book uh, about a man named Nehemiah. Can you believe that, right? Nehemiah is a book about Nehemiah who um, Israel has fallen. uh, They're slaves in different parts of the world. And Nehemiah is a man who is the cupbearer for a king of a foreign nation. Um, so as the cupbearer, uh, he's greatly loved by the king. Who wouldn't love the guy that brings him his wine and ensures it's not poisoned, right? So the king really likes Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes to the king and, and uh, the king says there's something wrong. Like, why are you so sad? Why are you so depressed? And so Nehemiah says to him, well, my, my nation has been destroyed Jerusalem's walls have fallen. There is nothing left, right? And this is a nation that I love. This is a nation that, that my parents were raised in and I was born in. And this king, very generous in nature, he says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you with all the letters of recommendation you need. I'm going to send you with funds and I'm going to send you with people that you can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So it's a beautiful story. Read Nehemiah sometime. It's a really fascinating story, all sorts of twists and turns. Um, but Nehemiah and a group of people uh, under incredible hardship and opposition, they build the walls of Jerusalem and they gather here to celebrate in Nehemiah chapter and at the celebration as they begin to just rejoice that our wall has been built back that um that we are a nation again that we are people gathered and congregated together this was incredibly exciting they gather to celebrate to rejoice and in nehemiah 8 verse 8 it says they read from the book of the law of god making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. These are the priests. In fact, it'll explain in verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
So, so they're in this time of celebration, but as they hear God's word again as a people, they begin to weep, maybe some out of conviction, maybe some out of just the emotion and excitement of this monumental task having been completed, uh, some sort of restorative hope found in the story of a lost nation. And so they celebrate, but, but they begin weeping as they hear the words of the Lord. And in Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those that have nothing prepared this day is holy to our lord do not grieve for the joy of the lord is your strength have you ever heard of that statement the joy of the lord is your strength you might have grown up singing some songs that were written out of that verse um, the joy of the lord is your strength so after all this monumental accomplishment, they find themselves in tears, uh, hearing the words of the Lord. But Nehemiah tells them, um, today is not a day for grieving, but instead to find joy in the Lord and in him to find your strength. And I wonder in each of our lives, as we consider, maybe think back over the past week, uh, there's probably been moments of elation and excitement, that happiness that we often equate with joy. And it's easy in those moments of happiness to find joy in the Lord, right? To say, God, you are so good. Thank you for what you're doing. But the reality of life is that it's not always that easy to find joy. We're going to go on and read a couple other passages where uh, joy is encouraged not just in the seasons of celebration, not just in the seasons of happiness, but when suffering, that joy might be a posture that we would choose. You see, in the story of Nehemiah, they had the choice of how they would posture themselves before the Lord, many of them weeping in this moment, and he said, this is not the posture this is not the season for that posture, but instead, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. So it's not always easy, though, to, to be joyful people. It would be pretty simple today to speak on this idea of joy and simply say, okay, so be happy, you know, have a joyful week, right? But I know the reality of our weeks. I know the reality of my past few weeks, and I know that joy is not always easy to harness. James chapter 1, verse 2, at the very beginning of his letter that he's writing, uh, James says, Consider it pure joys, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, consider it not just joy, but pure joy when you, when you face trials. So as, as we begin to shift our thought from, well, when I'm happy, it's easy to be joyous, uh, to this idea that well, what about the challenging times? James challenges us to take joy even in trials and challenges in life. And thankfully, James goes on to explain precisely why. Because testing of faith produces perseverance. Perseverance finishes its work, and we will be complete and not lacking in anything. So he says, even in those seasons of life where faith is being tested, where circumstances of life are challenging you to lift your eyes up to your heavenly Father, he said, even in those seasons, there's reason to find joy because you will develop perseverance, you will develop strength through this. I think what James is challenging us to is kind of a shift in thought process. 
Have you ever noticed how easy it is to focus on and think about the negatives, the challenges in life? How quite often they just overwhelm our thought process until all we can see is this loop playing in our head of the negative things that have happened or the negative thing that could result from whatever uh, the, um, the catalyst was in this stress loop that we're experiencing. How easy is it to focus on the negative? And James says, tell you what, even in times of trial, even when your faith is being tested and you are struggling in this moment, take joy because there's good in this. You see, you'll gain strength. You'll be more whole. You'll be more complete on the backside of us. James challenges us to change our perspective. In Hebrews chapter 12, um, uh, the author is speaking about Jesus and his sacrifice that he will make. And what's crazy is when speaking of Jesus on a cross, he uses the word joy. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Again, he's, the author here is speaking uh, to the challenges that we face in life, the major issues, uh, the major hurts that are being experienced in life. And he says you can gain strength in those moments from this. Jesus, dying on a cross, suffered that, endured that experience, the scorn and the shame and all that it brought with it. Uh, and he did so because of the joy that was set before him. The things that were ahead, the hope, the real, the reality, the realization that the story didn't end on the cross, but with resurrection, with new life, and a gift given to the entire world. The author here in the book of Hebrews, he says to us, so gain strength from the knowledge that Jesus knew a joy, knew a hope far bigger than the momentary circumstances that he was facing. You know, these last couple weeks uh, have been pretty crazy for Sarah and myself. It's It's been a season of just increased anxiety and challenges and all sorts of things in life. It's been a season of extreme busyness, and sometimes you feel like you can hardly catch your breath, you know? Or when you finally get that moment to sit down, you can hardly rest in that moment. You, you guys know these seasons, right? We've all had those seasons and experiences in life, but we have this one little thing to be really hopeful and excited about. Actually, it's not very little. We celebrate our 15-year anniversary uh, this next week, and we're heading to Hawaii for the first time in our lives. And so in this season of incredible anxiety and stress and, and, and busyness, we've had this thing to look forward to. It's like, but it's, it's worth it. And we, we frequently said to each other, but the, you know, rest is coming. Something new is coming. And I think in our, in our everyday walks in this life, the author of Hebrews and the other authors speaking of joy here in Scripture, what they're telling us is that we have a hope and something to look forward to beyond the momentary struggles and concerns of this life. What they're challenging us to is the shift in perspective in which we can say, I find joy 
in knowing that Jesus loves me. I find joy in knowing that I have a hope beyond this momentary circumstance, beyond this life. He says there is something deeper, much more abiding than a simple momentary happiness or excitement to know that we have hope. And I believe this idea of hope and joy are are linked throughout Scripture let me give one example. In First uh, Peter chapter 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This new living hope. Listen to that word hope in the passage. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. What is he saying we rejoice in? We rejoice in the reality that we have a living hope. Not just a hope far off, a living hope, and he'll go more into that. In this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, uh, of greater worth than gold, which persists even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. um, Verse 8, and and listen to the way he concludes his thoughts here. Though you have not seen him, you love him, speaking of Jesus. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He begins this thought saying, uh, you have been invited into a living hope, not just a hope far off, but a living hope a hope that affects the here and now. And he concludes it saying, you are receiving actually today the end result. This salvation has come to you today. I love this idea of the here and not yet. It's a conversation that often plays out in, in conversation about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here on earth, and yet Jesus and we are praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it is here and yet not yet, right? It's called an inaugurated kingdom in in that conversation. And I see the same language here. I see the same language that he says, you have a living hope. And though you may be suffering in the moment, this living hope is invading the here and now. The salvation that is to come is invading the here and now, and you are receiving that blessing today. And in that is found joy. So hope uh, is the source of joy in our lives. Uh, certainly in times of suffering, we lean upon hope. Not, not like I hope to win the lottery, but an expectant uh, hope. Uh, a hope that is assured, an assured expectant hope. Uh, hope will be the source of our joy in challenging seasons in life. So let's be really practical here for a minute. I looked at a lot of scripture. It had some remarkable, beautiful things to say. And, and But I want to know, uh, what does it really look like to lean into joy in the week to come? What, what, what's it really going to look like? How's it going to play out? What if I'm just not feeling joyful? In Galatians chapter 5, and I, I won't read the whole passage, but it says that joy is a gift of the Spirit. 
It says it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It says that as we lean into the Spirit, the Spirit gives to us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Spirit is sowing into us all of these things. And the things that are being produced in our lives are things like love, joy, peace. Did you notice the first three fruits of the Spirit are three of the four weeks of Advent that we're celebrating right now? And there's this beautiful promise That though I might not want to feel joy, though I may not in and of myself be able to conjure up the joy of the Lord, the promise here is that the Spirit is at work in our lives to bring joy. So practically, what does it look like to lean into joy this week? It looks like leaning into relationship with a Heavenly Father that loves us, a Savior who is alive, and the Spirit whom is at work in our lives. And in that the Spirit will begin to produce more joy in our lives. Um, I I was reflecting this week on, um, as a church, uh, jump on the website if you want to see it. We don't have it on any of our signs right now, but uh, we have this acronym, JAMES. We just love acronyms. Who doesn't love a good acronym, right? Um, That's kind of sarcastic. But the acronym's helpful to remember uh, what we're talking about. These core values as a church, joyful, authentic, modern, engaging, and safe. Okay, So these were, as we came together as a team very early in our journey, we're like, what will we be known for? What are going to be core values? What's gonna, what will we weigh and balance everything against? And what's interesting is one of those core values is joy. And I've got to admit, joy is not my strong suit. Like, some of you here are like the life of the party, right? You walk into a room and a room changes. I love those people. I love to be around those people. Uh, Unfortunately, I was not blessed with that gift of the Spirit, uh, but I'm still praying for it. I don't know. Maybe it can still come. Um, We watched, you know, there's a new Winnie the Pooh movie out recently. Did anyone else see that? And when I think of some of these uh, characteristics, I always think of that movie. Uh, You've got your Eeyores, and they're just hilarious. I don't don't know which personality you kind of lean most into. Is it gloom and doom, and everything's falling apart? And then you have Tigger on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? And he's bouncing all over the place. Talk about joy. Uh, or drugs, I don't know, that character's interesting. But talk about joy, you've got Tigger jumping all over the place. And then you have Winnie the Pooh, who's kind of just right there in the middle, right? Uh, kind of practical. Uh, you know, he's like, well, we'll see how it works out. Uh, you know, he, he's just got this kind of even keel place. Each of us finds ourselves in different places on the spectrum of the way we natural, naturally experience life, engage the things that we're coming into. But universal to all of us and chosen as one of the core values of a church is that we want to be a joyful people. You know, I think there's something really rich about a person who's able to be present in a time of suffering and yet have some sort of joyful presence in that place, right? Uh, Again, joy will be linked to hope in those seasons of struggle. Uh, There's also something beautiful about that person that is joyful and walks into a room and changes the dynamics. Whichever personality we are, whichever circumstance we find ourselves in, I want us to be people of joy right? And and this joy, I realize that if you're in a really difficult season of life, those could sound kind of calloused and superficial and almost hurtful. Like, I want you to be joyful even though life is falling down around you, right? That's not the message here. The message is God has given us a hope 
that transcends the struggles. And in that, even in those most difficult, challenging seasons of life, there is room for, for joy. There is room for a glimpse of the hope that brings joy in our lives. And so we lean into the power of the Spirit to give us joy in all that we are facing. So practically, what does it look like to lean into joy? A couple ideas. Uh, Starts with cultivating relationship with our loving Savior, inviting the Spirit to work in our lives to produce joy. Uh, Secondly, um, focus on the positive. Remember we talked about earlier how easy it is to let the negative overwhelm. Uh, Pause. When those loops are playing in your head this week, take a moment to sit down in your favorite chair or wherever you're at. Take a brief walk and start to list some of the things that are positive because there's quite often more to be joyful about than it seems in the moment. Uh, And finally, um, take time to be joyful. Be intentional about rhythms in life. Like, what does your family enjoy to do, doing together? Make that a priority in the week to come. Intentionally cultivate joy in life. Take time to do that. So, I pray that this week and in the weeks to come, that we can know a little bit more joy. And sometimes uh, joy will feel like this, right? Sometimes. And then sometimes joy will be that moment on our knees in prayer where the Spirit brings that hope and that joy welling up in us. Quite often that joy will be the presence we bring into the interactions we have with people around us. This week my prayer is that we will know joy. Today we sing the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. This is what this joy that we talk about is rooted in. The idea that a Savior has come into the world and has given his life for humanity. The story that the Savior will come again and set right what is wrong. The story that he has come and he is coming. And today at Advent, we remember Jesus is coming. And in that, we can find joy. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, for this time together. We thank you for Jesus and the hope that we found in him. Father, will you help us to transition? Will your spirit work powerfully in us as we transition from a realization of hope into a joy that affects a way of living, a way of thinking? Father, we are grateful to you, and we pray that you will give us joy in the week to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a final word, a benediction, and as, as we close out today, um, I'll use the words of Romans fifteen thirteen. In the week to come, this is my prayer for us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a blessed week.